Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 300. If you're passionate about something, take the time and make an effort to go figure out how to create a career around that passion. Surround yourself with people that will support you, people who are honest and ethical, who will hold you accountable to your goals, and go build your dream and start today. Don't wait. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today on Cars Yeah, Mark Green is celebrating his 300th show. I'm his son, Blake Green, who you've heard him mention from time to time, and today we're going to mix things up a little bit. I'm going to interview my dad and give you all a little history behind the man who came up with Cars Yeah concept and show. So without any further ado, I am revved up and so excited to introduce today my very special guest, my father, Mark Green. Dad, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I have my helmet on, my five-point harness cinched down, and I am ready to roll. However, before we fire up the ignition and get started, I do want to say something about this very special milestone. I want to take a moment and say thank you to you listeners who've pushed the play button and joined me on this journey with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. All this wouldn't be possible without your support and your listenership. Thank you for riding along with me on the Cars Yeah! journey. I look forward to continuing this road trip down the path of life and discovering how you can wrap your passion for anything that rolls on rubber around your life and your careers. And thank you, Blake, for taking the time out of your busy summer school schedule at RISD Absolutely. to help me with the 300th Cars Yeah! show. Oh, yeah. This is exciting being on this end because I've always heard you record these in the other room back home, and now <laughs> it's now it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. An like interesting this. twist. Yeah, so let's roll. All right. Mark Green is the producer and host of Cars Yeah, a five-day-a-week podcast you can enjoy on the Cars Yeah website, iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher Radio. He's a diehard automotive enthusiast and lifelong entrepreneur who started his first business at 14 years old when he founded AutoCare, a neighborhood detailing business. After 11 years as a creative director and partner in an advertising and graphic design firm, he spent 20 years helping build Griot's Garage as the VP of Marketing, Merchandising, and he was the president of the company before leaving to create his own venture at Cargia, where the mantra is inspiring automotive enthusiasts. So, Dad, I've told the listeners a little bit about you. Please take a moment and share some more about your business, your interests, and your passion for automobiles. Absolutely. And this is a little odd being on the other end. So uh, (laughs) let's see here. Now I know how all my guests feel. I grew up in Southern California in a a small town just north of San Diego called La Jolla, California. I enjoyed surfing and and played a lot of sports in schools. And and growing up in Southern California in the 60s and 70s was really idyllic. I started kind of an entrepreneurial journey when I was pretty young. I did a lot of different things on Taft Avenue where I grew up with my friend Steve Fitch, who lived up the street. We had a street newspaper. We published uh, we had a rock band for a very brief period of time. That was, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard those songs. Yeah, you probably I never will. I, I should hear those. No, we never, we never recorded any albums. <sighs> uh, painted Darn. pinstripes and rat finks on kids' bicycles. And we even thought about selling toy insurance. We thought, you know, we could collect <laughs> them. Yeah, there was some uh, conflicts around that. 
And Steve and I built uh, what you had heard of as a members-only Playboy bar. Oh, that's right. Yeah, all before I was 10 years old. And then I got a paper out at about 12, and I continued that all the way through high school, getting up at 4 o'clock every morning, seven days a week, delivering papers. It was really a great way to teach a kid about owning their own business and being responsible, having to go out and collect money, dealing with people. It was really Really great experience, as tough as it was to get up early. I'd get up real early, deliver my papers, and go surfing before school. So that was pretty cool. And then at 14, I started my own car detailing business. And the story behind that was Mr. Swanser's 450 SL Mercedes-Benz. Ah, yes. I've heard about this before. I know. You've heard all these stories. (laughs) This is going to be painful to sit through. But Oh, not at all. Mr. Swanser was an FBI agent who lived next door. And he bought the first 450 SL Mercedes uh, that was delivered in uh, La Jolla. And I went over to admire it, and I thought it was just so cool. It was a new body style and everything. And and he said, you know, I always see you out there washing your mom and dad's car. How would you like to wash my car? So I thought, oh, are you kidding me? So he let me back it out of his garage. Now I'm 14, so I didn't even have a license. Take it to my house. I worked on it all day, and I brought it back. And when I was done, I said, well, thanks, Mr. Swanser. And I started to walk away, and he said, well, wait a minute. How much do I owe you? And I went, you're going to pay me? <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, there's a light bulb moment. So, any rate, he gave me 25 bucks. I went home so excited because 25 bucks in 1974 for a 14-year-old, that's a lot of dough. That was about a quarter of the way to a brand new surfboard. So, my dad gave me the idea to start my own business and he helped me draw up a flyer. I put it in my newspapers that next week and a business was born. And little did I know, as we'll talk about later, that uh, I'd end up working in the car care business at Grio's Garage. So, that was pretty interesting. I detail cars all the way through college uh, to earn a little extra cash so your mom and I could buy our first home. And I studied graphic design and advertising in college as well as business. And I got my first job in San Diego at Warner Design. It was a small firm with just uh, three people in it. And I started as a, a paste-up artist way before computers and things. And I was there 11 years, ended up being the creative director, a partner in the, in the firm, account rep. Then one day... A company called Grio's Garage mailed me their first catalog. They were a startup company, and we were doing a lot of catalog business for people in the area and Southern California. So I went up and pitched our company to Richard Grio. That took some some time because he already had somebody, but I finally figured out a way to do it. And uh, finally, uh, I was invited to join the company. He asked me to come on board and help him build that firm as the marketing director. And given there were only four people in the company, it was uh, you know, small firm, but I wore a lot of hats. I always say that's why my hair all rubbed off. <laughs> it wasn't raising you kids. You guys were great. So I didn't pull my hair out for that. But uh, uh, I seem to be losing mine. So I'm there's sorry. A, there's a chance that we, we have the same work ethic. Yeah, probably so. But I, I blame my dad for that, I should say. But uh, yeah, I blame my dad. So it's, yeah, it's okay. A good, yeah, it's, it's a good a, chain. Of- it's a kick the dog philosophy. <laughs> exactly. But uh At Griot's Garage, uh, as I said, I wore a lot of hats. I was primarily responsible for the branding, marketing, and merchandising in the company. And I was there for 20 years. And the last six years, I was the president of the company, so I was responsible for even more. Uh, I got to do a lot of really cool things there. I got to travel the world. As you remember growing up, I was gone an awful lot. I worked a lot of hours. I was traveling all the time, uh, always heading off to some other country, some other car show somewhere. And during that time, uh, we built a really strong brand that I'm really proud of. We acquired a chemical company. We started manufacturing our own car care products. Uh, We built a distribution center in Indianapolis where we could 
distribute and make our products and uh, created a website, uh, corporate headquarters from an old Coca-Cola bottling building that was all dilapidated. As you remember, I used to bring oh, yes. drawings home every night and help design that facility. And that ended up being a world-class office, retail store, event center, restoration facility, and much, much more. And I'll say my time there was really, really rewarding. And I was fortunate to work with a lot of fantastic people and customers and I raced uh, vintage cars for about 10 years, as you remember, because I took you to a lot of those races. Oh, yeah. Uh, in a Lotus 18 and a Lola T290. And I enjoyed a lot of track days with the BMW Club and the Porsche Club. And, you know, I, I started taking you to racing events when I think you were about four years old. So Yeah, as early as I can remember. Yeah, absolutely. It was great fun. And, and then after leaving Griot's Garage, I started a quest to try to figure out what the next roads to travel down would be for me. And that brought me to Cars Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit more, uh, the website and the podcast, where I interview inspiring automotive enthusiasts. All right, that's awesome. Uh, and now as we continue on your journey, I like to start with a success quote. Well, actually, you'd like to start with a success quote, but I guess today I'm going to have you start with a success <laughs> That's quote. right. You're the, you're the producer and host today. It's exciting. Yeah. So a mantra, as I'm sure you know, is a saying that has been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It is a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So dad, take the wheel. All right. Well, I love inspirational quotes and mantras, and I think they're a, uh, a tremendous way to chart and course and help provide some direction to you in life. You, they can change throughout your life. They can change daily if you'd like. And my favorite today would be the mantra that I developed for Cars Yeah inspiring automotive enthusiasts. In fact, I liked it so much I trademarked it, and it really has a double entendre. I want to inspire automotive enthusiasts by providing discussions with inspirational automotive enthusiasts. When I was creating the, uh, the why of Cars Yeah, I thought it was important to first give back before expecting to receive anything from this venture. It's a lesson that my mom and dad taught me. It's kind of akin to the golden rule, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I decided that by interviewing inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and that is people who figured out a way to wrap their passion for automobiles into their life, and more importantly, into their careers, their vocations, that Cars yeah could inspire others and encourage them to realize that they can do the same thing. And each of my guests gets his own show notes page with links back to his or her business so that the viewers and listeners who discover Cars yeah can hopefully learn about them, learn about their business, and maybe even bring some business to them as well. So that's where that, that whole mantra of giving back first before you expect to receive came into play. This definitely reminds me of something you always said when I was growing up, the attitude of gratitude, <laughs> which you would always, always instill uh, in my thinking. And I think that really echoes in the inspiring automotive enthusiast, that it is all about giving back and being grateful for what you give to the listeners, but also what the listeners in turn give back to you. Oh, absolutely. Ah, you were paying attention. Great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cars, yeah. yeah. All right. Bits and pieces. I got about 10%. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> Uh, so, Dad, how have you incorporated that success quote into your business, your life, and your passion for cars? Well, again, it really goes back to thinking about providing something for people before you expect anything back. 
when I worked in the creative field, both at Warner Design and Griot's Garage, it was all about creating ways to help businesses improve. And of course, we were doing it for an income to create a business that created capital and mm -hmm. so forth. But with Cars, yeah, since the whole concept of a podcast, and we'll get into the why of the podcast in a little <laughs> bit, but was so foreign to me, I was really trying to figure out how am I going to create this into or build this into a business that monetized because I needed to do that to create some kind of an income for you guys, you kids and, and your mom and I. And so again, I wanted to start with giving first. And I, I studied a lot of different people, a lot of people doing podcasts, a lot of people that I listened to that were starting businesses. And a repeating theme kept coming back. If you first try to provide something to people and don't expect anything back, eventually something will come back around that will help you build your business into something. People will start communicating with you. They'll start telling you what they like, what they don't like about what you're doing. And you can mold that business, and in my case, that podcast, into something that proves to be very beneficial. That's how I kind of built the whole concept into Cars Yeah. Excellent. Now, will you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars or a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car guy? Well, this could be an entire show in and of itself. But, oh, this uh, has been 21 <laughs> years of my life. Just <laughs> yes, yes, and 57 years of my life. But I'll try to condense it a little bit here. So I've always loved cars. Just ask uh, your grandma, your grandpa. I've been a car guy forever. And my father bought me my first Matchbox car at a, a hardware store when I was probably about four or five years old. It was a red Jaguar XKE, Matchbox by Lesney. I still have it today. I, I mentioned this car from time to time during the show when I talked to other people. Uh, yes. I built a lot of model cars when I was a kid, and I especially liked to buy two or three models and build one car out of those two or three models, doing a lot of custom stuff and painting and things. And I'd sit for hours in my room building all those uh, plastic models that a lot of uh, kids of my era grew up. And I really liked Porsches. Uh, they've always been a car that's been key in my liking. We had a guy that lived up the street that had a Speedster that he used to give me rides in that uh, really influenced me. 356s and, of course, when the 911s came along uh, in the mid-60s. I think I was about seven years old when the 911 first came in. I used to get car magazines from other guys that uh, were older than me that would loan them to me. And I even used to go around with my friends and dig through people's trash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I used to do that just to find cool car magazines that we could bring home and uh, look at. And then I was about uh, five years old. My dad bought an MGTC. And I remember this car being just kind of a magical machine. The top was always down and it had these big slotted grills that were so tall and the dash was it was a shiny engine-turned metal that was just so cool, and the dashes were kind of this old-fashioned, greenish-hued Jaeger gauges that had this very vintage serif font. I mean, it was just everything about the car was so cool, and my sister Lisa and I used to sit on the luggage bench that was behind the front seats when my mom and dad would sit there, and that's a, not regulation. Uh, no, no. There was, well, it gets worse. The story gets crazier. There was, a, there was a bar that ran across the back of those seats. And my dad used to say, if you hang on to that bar, you're a chicken. So we would put our hands up in the air like we were on a roller coaster ride. And we'd scream and he'd go around corners and we'd slide to one side and slide to the other. And he called it the chicken bar. That's what it became. And the doors were really low slung. So when I sat in that car, I kind of felt like a big kid because my arm could actually rest on the door sill where the door came down. It had those suicide doors that opened with the hinge in the 
the back instead of the front. And, you know, even when I was five, six years old, I felt like a big kid and the sounds the car made and my dad would have to get out and crank start it sometimes. And my mom would get upset because her beehive hairdo back in the 60s would <laughs> blow in the wind and look like a mess. But uh, that was kind of the beginning for me was that MG. And in fact, the first car I ever rode in was an MGA that my dad borrowed from a college buddy. And that car was pretty cool. Uh, it was white. I've got some pictures of it, of me sitting on my mom and dad's lap in that car. And of course, at about three years old, my mom got a Garten Cadillac from her brother that was a hand-me-down. It was yellow, and I used to ride that thing all over the place. And uh, Mom, I'm still not going to forgive you for get, giving that car away when we moved. <laughs> I still see the photo in our house of yeah. Dad. Yeah. Uh, we should put that on the site yep. after it's done. It's a fantastic photo. Yeah, it's great. My hair, when I had hair, was blown in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad, what I want to do now is really take a look at some of the roads that you've been down and really think about all the challenges that you faced. Will you share with me a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced in your life or in your career that can inspire and motivate the listeners? More importantly, how you overcame the situation and what you learned? Well, you know, this is a really important question that I ask my guests. And, and some of my guests kind of skip through it and they, oh, I've never had any trouble. Life's been good to me. You know, <laughs> I think there's a, a song <laughs> that goes that way uh, about driving 55. Anyway, that's another story. But <laughs> I spent uh, I spent 20 years at Griot's Garage helping build a really great brand and, and developing a huge number of products at that company. I was really proud of that. I was challenged at my role there in many ways. I got to do so many great things from building a, a really world-class brand to marketing and merchandising. And, and as I mentioned, I eventually became the president of the company. And it was really exciting. I worked incredible hours. As you remember, I would leave before you woke up and come home after after dinner, maybe oh, yeah. nights, and I was traveling an awful lot all over the world. So, uh, you know, I always felt a little guilty about leaving you you and you, your mom and sister home alone. But, you know, we were trying to build something there, and I re I've always worked really hard, so it was just part of the way I'm wired. And I'd really planned on spending the rest of my career, uh, working career at Griot's Garage. The plan was to sell the business, and uh, maybe then I could go off and enjoy some cars and so forth. But then conditions at the company started to change, and you know, there's a great book titled Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. I gave you and your sister a copy of this book. Oh, yes. Book. I have the copy right here on my desk at RISD. When you guys uh, went off to start middle school and all those changes that happened to you, not only in your environment, but in your physical nature, as you, you know, go through puberty and all those hormones are flying oh, around your skull. It's terrible. And then, uh, and then going off to high school and then again, read it again, going off to college. But for anyone listening who's read the book, they'll know that it's really kind of a simple parable about changes and how to deal with unexpected change. And you'll learn in the book that if you're not always prepared for change, the results can be pretty dire and the consequences can be pretty challenging. And, and at Griot's, I was forced to make a pretty difficult decision and I decided to leave the company, resign, and go do something different. And it started what was the most challenging time I'd ever experienced in my life is, as you recall, I'd worked at one job for 11 years, another job for 20 years, and I was expecting to stay there forever. I don't jump around. I stick with stuff and build things. And you'll remember at the same time, your grandpa, my dad, had fallen and broken his neck, uh, came oh, very yes. close to being paralyzed or dead. He was 81 years old, really scary time for us. And then your mom's mother, your grandmother, was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
It was like the one-two punch to our family. <laughs> and then a short time after that, we discovered that your mom had a really serious tumor growing in her leg that re yes. would require reconstructive surgery and a really long recovery time. I mean, sometimes you just wake up and go, what is going on? What, what did I do wrong to have all these <laughs> things happen? Uh, woe is me. And, you know, you can sit back and cry and whine. But, you know, those are really dark, introspective days for me. And for a long time, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. And for the first time since I was really 12 or 14, I, I was unemployed. I had no idea what I was going to do. You were in college. We had a mortgage on the house. Uh, we had serious health issues going on in the family. Medical bills were piling up that were just daunting. And I really have never felt so discouraged and frustrated and confused and, and really afraid in my entire life. And for the first time, I really felt out of control. And my whole future was just this big blurry mess of, uh, I just, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. It was really horrible and, and really t uh, terrifying for me. And mm -hmm. But, you know, after talking to a lot of people who I discovered many of were really, really true friends, these are people that took the time to listen, to offer inspiration. Of course, you and your sister and mom and all the family members rallied around me to offer me with ideas and inspiration. And, and I kind of began to try to formulate a plan to kind of get out of this dark place that I was in. And having spent my entire life working very hard to build other people's businesses and dreams, what came out of this very challenging time was a decision to build my own dream, and that was Cars yeah. Very nice. Very nice. I remember there was one, I think it was one summer day when I was working on my detailing company. Yes, as, as Dad said before, he was the founder of his own detailing company when he was, when he was in high school and college. Well, I was also the founder of probably the exact same venture, a detailing company in our neighborhood. Uh, I was listening to some podcasts, and I'd had the idea one day that, Dad, what you really do best seems like you know everybody on the planet. So why not start talking to them? Just, you know, maybe there's a show, maybe there's some kind of a book or something. So just, you know, call upon that huge group of good friends, that huge group of people who are inspiring, who have done incredible things, and just kind of see what they've done. And here we are at episode 300, Cars Yeah. And <laughs> it's very exciting to see it all kind of come together uh, out of that difficult time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it leads us into this next question you're going to ask me about the aha moment, right? Uh, yes, of course. So now let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. Could you share with me and the listeners an aha moment in your career? That time when the headlights came on and illuminated the way for a new idea or direction that you had. And tell us that step that you took to turn your aha moment into success. Well, absolutely. And you, you created a great segue for it, Blake. If you remember that one summer after I'd left Carrillo's, we went for a walk. You were home from school. And usually when you're walking with your son, he looks up to you and says, Dad, <laughs> what should I do with my life? <laughs> but this time around, there was a, it was like, what do we do with our lives? <laughs> yeah. Or I said, son, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> it was a real twist. You know, it's one of those really uh, epiphany moments in your life where you just go, holy cow, this isn't what I planned. And, um, you know, uh, again, I was really struggling. I was really frustrated in so many ways. And you, as you said, you said, hey, dad, you know, my whole life, you've been taking me to car shows, to races. You've taken me on trade show trips. We've been in New York together and all over the country. And 
What's the one thing I always tease you about when we go somewhere? You can't walk by somebody in their car without stopping and talking to them and asking them about their career, about their car, about their business. And if you remember, too, that was something that I taught you when we would go to all those events. I would kind of push you forward and say, go up, introduce yourself, shake the man's hand, and ask him about his car. Ask him about his business. Absolutely. And then just listen, and he'll tell you everything you ever want to learn, you know, (laughs) and even more so. So from that, you then said, have you ever heard of a thing called podcasts? And I went, no, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) And you introduced me to uh, one guy who really has changed my life, and that was John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire. And I started listening to his podcast and other people's podcasts, and this whole concept that you uh, proposed to me of how could I wrap talking to people about their passion for cars into some kind of a viable business really started to take place. And that was really the aha moment. That and along with TED Talk I listened to by Simon Sinek, why? And that is figure out the why in what you're doing. Figure out why you want to do something and then the rest will come along. And of course, wrapping my passion for cars and my history with cars into this concept of cars, yeah, it was really the culmination of that aha moment coming together and then Cars Yeah was born. So again, I've got to thank you, Blake, for uh, for coming up with that very astute idea for me. It, it <laughs> you know, it led me to where I am today and it will follow me into the future. So I really appreciate uh, your wisdom there in helping your old dad out. Well, it's, it's funny how I came across Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas's podcast. It was during my freshman foundation year at RISD. I was, I think it was it had to have been 3 a.m. It was really late at night. I had to finish a project and I was doing something. I think I was carving or I was carving wood or something like that. Something very tedious. And I needed something to listen to. And I'd always had an interest in business and entrepreneurship. So I went on to iTunes podcast and looked up entrepreneurship just to see what would come up. And his show was one of the few that I found that really inspired me. I think when you're, again, it kind of echoes that it's 3 a.m., you're late, it's late, you're tired, you need some inspiration, you need to keep going. And it was just totally by chance. And then, of course, the next summer, I said, hey, I found this awesome show and I have this awesome idea. And it was all just because, you know, right. it's odd how things start. Well, and, and sharing, and the thing about Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas just celebrated his 1,000th show. He's been doing this for two, almost three years now. He does seven days a week. I do five days a week. Really incredible. And and you listen to his original shows, and yeah, he was kind of rough and things, kind of like what I'm going through, trying to learn how to be a better interviewer, how to do this better. But He got better and better and better, and then he started sharing what he was doing with other people and helping teach other people. Comes back to that idea of giving first before you expecting back. You expect anything back, and he's become very successful from a monetary standpoint and from every other aspect of his business. So uh, hopefully I will follow in his footsteps uh, (laughs) as I continue on what I'm doing. I've, of course, niched way down. Uh, which uh, niching down is uh, very important in any business because it really starts to focus you. But uh, yeah, that aha moment, uh, it's funny where those come from. But when they do illuminate your way, pay attention. And Absolutely. travel down that road. Absolutely. Okay, Dad, next question. What is your proudest career moment? 
Oh, goodness. I've had so many, but I really think I would be remiss not to say uh, what happened shortly after I started Cars Yeah. I received an email from a listener, and this is back when I was having, you know, 50 people a day listening to the show. If I got 100 <laughs> listen day, I was so excited. Wow, 100 <laughs> people are listening to this show. This is so cool. I remember that. Yeah, woohoo! You know, <laughs> just take advantage and, uh, and reward yourself for those little tiny milestones. But uh, I had a listener who sent me an email, and he was on. I went to the website. There's a place where you can communicate with me there, and and he was talking about how he was very successful in his business, but he was unhappy because he loved cars and he wanted to do something in his career around cars, but he just had never figured it out. And by listening to my interviews with people on cars, yeah, that gave him the inspiration and the courage to go forward and start something on his own, to go after that thing that he was passionate about and that thing that he would really enjoy. And he just said, you know, thank you for giving me that nudge that I needed to step out of my comfort zone and go do that. And that that was really proud because I had achieved what I originally was trying to focus on, and that was inspiring others by talking to inspirational people. So I think right now, you know, there's going to be more to come, I'm sure. And there were a whole lot before in my previous careers, but that one really stands out to me because uh, I felt like, okay, that was what I wanted to do, and I got there. Very nice. Now, let's have a little fun. What was your first really special car, and what special memories do you have with that car? Well, this is a funny question because I ask all my guests this question, and many of them talk about their first car being their first special car. And the concept behind this question has to do with not so much your first car, but the one that really meant something to you that you worked really hard to achieve. Maybe you had this dream. You know, for a long time when I had my first career, I had a poster of a red Porsche above my desk. Every time I'd work, come in early and stay late, I'd look up at that and say, that's what I want. I want a red Porsche. But I would say that my first really special car was a 1967 Carmen Ghia. My first car was a 67 Chevy Nova, which was not very exciting. <laughs> uh, that's another story for another day. But it was a cool car. It got me to the beach with my buddies. We could pile a bunch of surfboards on the top and head down to Baja and surf down south of Tijuana. But my first one was a 67 Carmagia. And, and as I mentioned, I really wanted a 911, but there's no way I was going to be able to afford a 911 in high school with my paperboy budget and even with my car <laughs> detailing. My Gia was uh, what I call my poor man's Porsche. You know, it had the engine in the back. It was German. Uh, it was pretty cool. It made some neat sounds. And my mom loaned me some money so I could go buy that car. And I remember she drove me over to Point Loma, which is south of La Jolla, where we grew up. And we bought this car for 1200 bucks from this gentleman. And I had to drive it home. I'd never driven a stick shift. <laughs> and so I went oh geez that's intimidating I went uh mom uh how am I going to do this and she said well you better figure it out so uh <laughs> I got in the car and I you know ground the gears and how do you get into reverse the guy well you got to push the push the gear shift down and over and oh that's kind of weird so I made it out of his driveway I'm sure he was standing there laughing his brains out going oh this kid's <laughs> never going to get back to La Jolla but I made it I I you know, I stalled it in some intersections. People were honking at me. I felt like I was going to die. Oh, my gosh, it was terrible. <laughs> but I got it home, and I immediately started playing with it. And along with my good buddy, Robert Schmidt, we took the car apart, stripped it down, cleaned up some of the bad Bondo job that had been done on it. Uh, we painted it 
a mixture of Porsche Guards Red and Porsche Signal Orange. So it was this really cool, kind of an orange-red color. Uh, I found some really cool deep dish VW chrome rims and painted all the graphics black to kind of give it that SoCal look. And that was really my first cool car. I, I really had fun with that car, put a neat stereo system in it, learned how to do brakes in the driveway on that car and work on the engine. We built up the engine to about a 2110cc motor, so the thing moved pretty quick. And uh, still had the surf racks on the top, and then I had some cool ski racks. I'd drive that car all the way up to Mammoth Mountain with friends of mine to go skiing. And yeah, that was the first really special car. It was uh, really cool. I, I sold it in 1979 to buy my first brand new car, which was a 79 Volkswagen Scirocco. And I sold it to a friend of mine who just was always wanting to buy it. She was a really nice gal. And about two months later, a drunk driver ran through a stop sign and completely totaled that car. Uh. Yeah, put her in the hospital. Uh, she survived. But uh, I was driving home one day, and I saw it sitting in front of a repair shop from the back. And I went, ah, hey, there's my old car. In fact, <laughs> my parents bought me a personalized license plate that said, Gia Kid. And I turned around and went back, and as I drove up next to that car and I saw the front had, had been crushed all the way back to the front axle, I just thought, oh, no, my Gia kid is dead. And, of course, the body shop told her, we can't repair this. It's a lost cause. So it went off to the crusher, and, yeah, a uh, sad deal, but uh, great car, lots of fun. Now, I think I know the answer to this next question, but is there a vehicle that you sold or that you sold and you didn't tell your son that you were going to sell it, but you sold it, that you really wish you could have back in your garage. <laughs> oh, gosh, what a segue. Yeah, you know, that, this is a sad story, and it all begins. No, it's, I'll tell you, yeah, uh, anyone who knows me uh, knows about my Beck Spider. And one of my guests on Cars, yeah, David Dickinson, wrote a great book, it's uh, book number three, part of his old car nut series, and it's about road trips. And he was gracious enough to allow me to write a story about the Beck Spider and the green Melia, which you and I took when we bought that car. But okay, here goes the Beck story. Yes. Yeah, tragic, it was a, it's a tragic Beck story. I know. I'm so sorry. Well, <laughs> as Blake knows, uh, a guy named John Wilhoyt, who built beautiful cars, 356s and 911s down in Long Beach, California. I've known him for years. He called me one day and said, hey, there's a client of mine who had me build using all Porsche parts. This is a pretty special build because anyone who knows Beck Spiders, a lot of them say, oh, it's a fakey-do 550 Spider. It's got a Volkswagen engine. You know, it's got all Volkswagen parts and stuff. This thing had all Porsche parts. Even the engine was a Porsche engine from a 56. Really spectacular cars. I bought it sight unseen. Blake and I, when Blake was eight years old, we flew down to Long Beach and we went on a five-day trip up the highway coast in that car and uh we had a great time obviously it was one of one of those moments in time you get to spend with your kids and uh you know really have a great trip and got home with it and i kept it for many years and uh after a bit of time i decided to sell it i think it was so i could buy your sister her first car and put a little money aside for some of the private schooling i put you guys through <laughs> you know that's you thank you for that yeah you're welcome and uh yeah i let it go a gentleman had seen it we'd shot the car as a cover car for griot's garage catalog a guy in chicago had seen it called me offered me way more money than I'd paid for it, and uh, I let it go. But as the listeners will hear from my son, I didn't tell him I sold it. Came home for dinner one night, 
sitting around the dinner table and said I sold the car. And the look I got from Blake, uh, I still remember. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. He was very upset because of the memories. He still, to this day, as you heard, does not like me will, doing that. <laughs> I, will, I will never let it go. But I will get that car back someday. Someday. Someday we, I will find it. <laughs> someday. And I will retrieve. Well, I think it's still in Chicago with the owner. In fact, I was at the Forest Grove Concours this weekend, and there was a gentleman there with a, another replica 550, and I sent the picture off to Blake. And um, yeah, it's uh, it was a great car, great fun, and mostly it's about the memories, and that's what cars are all about. So yeah, seller's remorse, that would be my car, and uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, I yeah. did I did save the you know the center steering wheel hub. John yes. had put had put the golden lady on there, and we still have that in a frame in Blake's room as a reminder. Uh, of course, the memories uh, for that car. And if you get a hold of David Dickens's book, you'll read the whole story about our trip. There's some great adventures there about uh, running out of gas and driving through the redwood forest and uh, all sorts of fun that we had in that car. So. Thanks for the memories, and sorry, buddy. Oh, no worries. <laughs> like I said, I'll get it back. <laughs> okay, next question. This is uh, a little bit different on the same subject, but slightly different. Is there a vehicle that you bought and then thought, just what was I thinking? What what thought went through my head when I purchased this ridiculous, ridiculous car? Yes. Uh, yeah, there was. Um, I purchased a 1966 Shelby GT350 Mustang. From a friend of mine, Ron Going, who had built it with his father. It was a clone. It wasn't a real GT350. But his dad worked for Ford Motor Company and got a lot of the original parts. And they built this car up. It was just gorgeous. You, you couldn't tell it from a real one. In fact, I took it to a, a Ford Mustang show and entered it. And I won first place. And they, oh. they thought it was a real GT350. <laughs> I actually gave the trophy to the second place guy at the end of the show when I said, you know what, I don't feel right taking this trophy home. <laughs> Thank you very much for the award. You know, everybody knew me as a German car guy. And when I bought that car and brought it home, your mom looked at me and said, are you going through some kind of midlife crisis or something? What the <laughs> heck are you doing? This is not you. It's an American car. It's a muscle car. It's loud. But you know what? It was really cool. And I used it as a daily driver for about a year and a half up here in the Pacific Northwest, which... Where it rains a lot, that was a scary car to drive in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic <laughs> in the rain. Um, it had a lot of power, a wonderful 289. The engine sounded like a sewing machine. It was just beautiful. I really enjoyed driving it. I couldn't get gas without a 30-minute conversation with anybody in the gas station. Everybody loves Mustangs. So, you know, in a way, I thought, yeah, what was I thinking? And I again, this car, again, I've been lucky with cars. Some guy saw it in the parking lot, came up, offered me almost twice what I paid for it. And I decided to let it go. I think your mom was extremely happy that day. <laughs> I let the car go. She never liked that thing. It was just loud. And she said, it smells funny in here. You know, it had that old car musty smell. But uh, it was a great car. I really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, that would be the one. It's, all, it's been all German cars ever since. I remember that car. I was very young when you had that car. Yeah. I have very few memories of I, I I know there's a photo of me sitting on the back of it when I was probably three or four years old. You were old. sitting on the hood, and that was the first vintage race I ever took you to. You were uh, about three and a half years old. We went to a <laughs> Sovereign event right before I decided to start racing cars and join Sovereign. And yeah, that's a picture of you sitting on that car at Pacific Raceway. Ah, excellent. Yeah, cool car. Cool picture. Okay. Is there a project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? 
Well, it's cars, yeah, of course, because I'm still trying to build this company out into something viable that's monetized. And I'm trying really hard to develop relationships with companies. Again, it comes back to relationships that are so important. And uh, I'm trying to work on with people who could be sponsors at Cars. Yeah, I've had a few people that came on board very early on, which I've been greatly appreciative. Noco Battery Company, that was my first sponsor. I got to tell you, the day I went out to the mailbox and that first sponsor check was in the mailbox, I practically cried in the driveway. <laughs> I was like, wow, this has some viability. This might actually work. And then uh, one of my guests, Dwight T. Knowlton, who's an author, uh, owns Carpe Diem. He was one of my uh, sponsors that came on board that I've been grateful for. He's written two great kids books, The Little Red Race Car and The Greatest Race. Just a really nice guy. I really admire what he's done. I got a new sponsor starting up here uh, just in a week, Covercraft. They make by far the best covers that exist on the planet. I've been covering my car, my cars since high school. In fact, my first Covercraft car cover I bought when I was in high school in 1975. It's a company that's been around for 50 years. I was the only guy in my high school and I think at college that covered my car. Um, (laughs) They really are the best way to take care of your cars. And of course, your car while you're off at college is sitting out in our driveway under a Covercraft car cover. So uh, Excellent. Yep. Nancy is being well taken care of. Oh, yes. Nancy. She's plugged into a NOCO battery tender with a Covercraft cover on the top. So, yeah, Blake's BMW. And I forged some uh, great relationships with some affiliate companies that you'll find on my website. Swixtil, which makes a really cool brand of men's clothing, kind of vintage 50s, 60s era clothing. Vintage Auto Posters, Tony Singer, who's been a guest on my show. He sells just some of the coolest artwork that you can find. And I'll mention Swixtil too. I've had several guests who are part of that company on the show. Garage Style Magazine, Don, who's been a guest on my show, uh, who we've done some uh, trade outs of things. And uh, yeah, so I'm trying to build up these relationships. So the current project really is Cars Yeah. I work night and day, as you know, weekends on this whole thing. It takes a lot of time to build a company, but I'm having great fun. Excellent. Now, this next question is my favorite question that you ask. And I think about it quite frequently because I still don't have an answer to it. So I'm curious to see what your answer will be. But if you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Yeah, this is the Harold Clayworth question. Harold has been a two-time guest here at Cars, yeah. He's got his second show coming up soon here. He's an artist from Venice, very interesting man, very creative man, a guy who I admire because I've had many artists on the show who have figured out how to create a career around art and painting cars, which is really hard to do. Harold was my 22nd guest, and I had a different question at this point in the interview, and he said, you know, Mark, in his very British accent, <laughs> there's a different question I would like you me to ask. My British is very poor, but any it's rate, okay. he came up with this second question, and boy, Harold, uh, you've, you've garnered some interesting responses from people over time, and it really, for me, it's a question I try to get out of people. If you were a car, who you really are, not do you want to be. We all want to be a sexy, sleek Ferrari or a F1 car that goes really fast or something everybody loves, but it's really more how you perceive yourself. And many of my guests have answered very honestly with some hilarious answers, <laughs> but uh, I honestly would have to be a Porsche 911. And yep. I, I had a feeling yeah, I, I could see that. Well, I, And actually, it's good because I know that it's not just because it's a car you like. The characteristics of that car, the design, the engineering, all of it fits your personality perfectly. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, 
I am a, as you know, Blake, I am a very, I'll just say anal retentive guy. I am a cross your T's, dot your I's guy. I'm a perfectionist in everything I do. I work really hard in every aspect of my life to make things uh, a certain way. I might even be a little OCD when it comes to some of this stuff because (laughs) I just, you know, I can't go through any day without looking around and noticing how things are, how things are designed. I'll, I'll, I'll say my father... Uh, instilled a lot of this in me and my mother too but my father being an architect I'd go into a building with him and he would point out every detail positive and negative my mom always taught me to take care of things and don't waste things and be grateful for what you have so the Porsche 911 to me is a car that's extremely purpose built it's German of course which means everything has a purpose there's no frills even in the current 911s today while they become softened, if you will, and there may be some people out there that disagree with me, but if you go back to the the 356s, the 911s, and all the way up to not too long ago, there weren't even cup holders in these cars. They were designed for one thing, and that was the joy of driving. And so I like the concept of being purpose-built, being a person that's purpose-built, driven towards one goal, trying to do things the best that you can in the best way that you can, it's a design unlike almost any other car that's been around for over 50 years. You look at a 65 911 and a 2015 911, and they're both the same car in many, many ways from a design aspect. They haven't given up on that. They just find ways to keep getting better and better and better. And I hope that's the kind of person I am. I'm always trying to find ways to do things better, to do things right to be good to other people, and the Porsche 911 is that car. So I'm, I'm proud to say, yeah, I'm a Porsche 911. Excellent. I, <laughs> I had a feeling. When the moment you answered it, I thought, ah, yes, that is, that is accurate. <laughs> well, that is correct. you've grown up with me, so you know your old dad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, Dad, next up is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's sponsor. And I want to say, too, this is the first sponsor spot by Covercraft, a new sponsor that's starting here at Cars. Yeah, I'm extremely grateful for Covercraft. Uh, it's a cover that I've used for a long time. The only covers that I'll put on my cars, they're absolutely fantastic. So Covercraft, thank you. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. 
It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Okay, Dad, we're entering the last lap. This is where I fire off a series of questions and you give our listeners quick blip-of-the-throttle answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, here we go. What is the best automotive advice you have ever received? Well, that comes from my good friend, Louis Shefshik. Louis's been a guest here on Cars Yeah. He runs JNL Fabricating, where they build race cars and they restore cars. Just a wonderful guy. He's one of the people in my lives I call a real person. He's just so kind. And his wife, Jeanette, who you know them as well. We've been to many oh, races with them. and They're the best people. Some of the most genuine people I've ever met. Yeah. Alicia and Abby, their daughters are wonderful people. And, and all the people at JNL Fabricating. But when I decided to go racing, vintage racing, in a Lotus 18, my first race, I was nervous as a hen. I, my leg was shaking. It was raining, which added a whole nother complexity to that event. And I'm sitting in there in this car thinking, what am I doing? I've got little kids at home. I've got a business <laughs> with a whole bunch of employees that are you know, re- relying on me to show up on Monday. And Louie walked up in a very calm voice as I was sitting on the grid. The engine was running. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, just remember one thing. The throttle goes both ways. Uh, and I've always remembered that. You know, I, I like the idea of keeping the revs up, pedal to the metal, keeping your foot into it, just going through life full bore. But the throttle goes both ways, and sometimes it's okay to lift a little bit to get yourself back in control, to align the car a little bit, align your life a little bit. So, Louis, thank you for that automotive advice. It was awesome. Excellent. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Oh, man, I work really hard. You know this, Blake. I mean, I spend a lot of hours in the office away from home. Uh, I don't sit idle. I don't sit around and watch much TV. I'm always out (laughs) doing something, you know, in the garage, taking care of the cars, uh, in the yard, taking care of the yard, trying to fix things around the house. My father taught me a really valuable lesson, and that was no matter where you work, Treat your job as if you own the company that you're at. He used to say, show up before the boss does. Don't take breaks. Never take long lunches. Stay after the boss leaves. He used to say, you know what? If you're not as smart as the next guy, outwork him. And so I think that is probably a personal habit of mine. Um, Yeah, I I work really hard. Uh, I don't let up, and uh, I just have a stick-to-itiveness that I'll get through this somehow. I'll figure it out somehow. But uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate my dad teaching me that lesson. It's really paid me in many, many ways. I think that that advice is what's gotten me, you know, here at RISD. I think that 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 the mantra and that style that you live by it definitely came into my thinking as I was growing up and has continued on into into college and, and my career. Well, and there's another one here, too, I want to share because uh, you're probably going, hmm, I wonder why he didn't say this. 
and that is thank you cards, written uh, thank yes. you notes. Yeah. You know, my mom taught me this. My mom used to make me write my thank you cards before I could play with my toys on Christmas morning. And it goes back to that attitude of gratitude that Blake uh, so eloquently put together. You know, writing thank you cards, handwritten thank you cards is a lost art. Every one of my guests here on Cars Yeah gets a handwritten thank you note for being on my show. And as Blake knows, uh, I write thank you notes. I instilled that in, in you, Blake, and your sister, Paige. Uh, you guys do it to this day, which is so great. And it really helps you stand out in front of other people. If you're out there looking for a job, if somebody did something nice for you, uh, I wrote my thank you notes this morning for the, the kind people at the Forest Grove Concours for sending me a ticket so I could go down and participate. Uh, so writing thank you notes, that's another one. Definitely a attribute and personal habits that has helped me throughout life. Do you have a resource that you would like to share with our listeners, be it a website, a supplier, an app, a person, anything like that? Today, the, the internet provides us with so many resources. It's just unlimited. I, I don't know, you know, when I was a kid, let's get the violin out. I had to walk <laughs> uphill both ways to school and 15 miles, 15 miles. It was more. snowing in La Jolla. Yeah, pretty much every day. It was terrible. Yeah. But, you know, I had to actually pull these big things out called encyclopedias to look stuff up. And it was always <laughs> dated because we didn't have new encyclopedias. But the internet, you know, is incredible. But I'll tell you, I think the best resource I have are the guests on Cars Yeah. Mm -hmm. The people that I have created friendships with, most of these guests I have never met until the moment they call in for the show. You know, Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get. <laughs> I never know what I'm going to get when that phone rings the day I'm going to do a show with people. It makes it pretty exciting. It also makes it a little worrisome sometimes because you just go oh my gosh what is this going to be like I hope the show ends up being great but it's really about people and I've written this on my blog at Cars yeah. it's about people life is about people the car hobby is about people and getting to share time with people where they share their careers and their lives with me is so inspirational and is a, a huge asset and a great resource for everyone to come and listen to these stories and be inspired by them and use them as a catalyst to uh, push yourself forward into something you want to do. Excellent. Dad, would you share a book that you believe our listeners will truly enjoy reading? You know, this is another difficult question for me because, as you know, Blake, we have a huge library in the house. Uh, I have not only a whole lot of automotive books, but a lot of business books. In fact, when I was at Griot's Garage, I actually created a library at the business. Oh, that's right. Yeah, a resource library of all these business books that I read throughout the years that can help you be better at your career or your craft or whatever you're doing. And I think one of the books, if I have to share one, because I set up these rules to begin with, it would have to be have to be Michael Gerber's book. It's a book called The E-Myth Revisited. Uh, yes. In this book that author uh, Michael Gerber wrote, it dispels myths around starting your own business and shows how commonplace assumptions can really get in the way of running your business. It's a book that really helped me break out of the concept of working in my business and instead I should be working on it. And he's also written a series of other books that are on this same topic, but they're very career-specific. So I would recommend Michael Gerber's The E-Myth Revisited. An excellent, excellent book. And yep. you can find the links to these resources at carsyad.com slash Mark Green. And that's green with an E at the end. That's something <laughs> we're used to saying. 
Yep. Having the same last name, you always got to say green with an E at the end. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, there's a special area on the website called Guest Recommended Books, and it's an entire page of all the guests, all 300 guests that have been on the show, the books that they like with a quick and easy link right to Amazon where you can make a purchase of the book and add it to your library as well. Excellent. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Well, as you know, Blake, I always carry a camera with me. I've been taking pictures for a long time. I think I'm somewhere close to 30,000 images in my database of images. Um, my parents bought me my first 35 millimeter camera way back when I was in, uh, I think, junior high. And I was on the yearbook staff in high school, so I shot a lot of stuff. I was on the sports side of the, the first year as a junior and as a senior, I was the editor. But I love vintage racing as well. You know, I did that for 10 years. Uh, it got just too expensive, so I had to park the cars and ended up selling those cars. But uh, I hope to get back into that someday. I love open wheel vintage racing, Formula 2 cars, Formula Juniors. I think that's the way to go. I like racing vintage cars that were purpose-built race cars. I used to play guitar quite a bit. Um, as you know, we've got guitars around the house. You picked up the guitar for a while as well. And I even taught guitar when I was younger. And I, I keep looking at them saying, I need to pick those up and play them more often because uh, it's a fun way to uh, kind of get your brain thinking a little differently. Okay. And now it's time for the checkered flag. So, Dad, this last question, as you know, is a tough one. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, something that you couldn't sell to buy another car, Money is no object. It can be any car in the world. What would it be and why? You mean you're going to buy me a car today? You know, one day. It's, <laughs> give it some time. Okay. I got to... I gotta get a. I gotta get out of college first, but one day. There we go. Well, this will be the. This will be the car I get you. So choose wisely. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, you better get a good job, kiddo. Uh, <laughs> or better yet, start your own business and make your own empire. That's what you really should do. There we go. Oh, uh, this is a tough question for a lot of my guests. Uh, it's funny because some of my guests actually have their dream car, and boy, what a wonderful thing that would be to actually have the car that you would want out of all the cars. Some of them it's kind of hard. Other ones know exactly what it is. This is a really hard one for me because I love so many different kinds of cars for different reasons, and I have kind of a top 10 list, but I know the way the question goes, you only get one. So if if it's today or maybe down the road when you're going to, you know, start your own empire and buy me the car of my dreams, <laughs> hold on to your checkbook because the car I would like today would be a car built by Rob Dickinson, and that is the Singer Porsche. Uh, I've been trying to get Rob on the show for some time. I hope to get him someday. I really admire what he's doing. And real briefly, Rob Dickinson is building what's called a Singer, and it's basically a 911 early long hood 911 that I believe he builds from 964s, but he does something really unique. He's kind of like a hot rod builder for Porsche, if you will. He takes the entire car apart and rebuilds it with carbon fiber panels everywhere. You can order the car in a variety of custom ways with different engines, different engine configurations, different designs, colors. You can basically create that classic of vintage long hood 911 from the 70s but this car is way beyond the way those cars rolled out of Stuttgart. It, they're absolutely phenomenal. You can go online and Google Singer Porsches and see all sorts of stories about what he's doing. So, yeah, today, tomorrow, a couple years from now, it's going to be a Singer Porsche for me. That'll be the one. Yeah. I'm, Good to I know. Think, yeah, I think so. You know, I, I, even as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, oh but there's so many others. But, <laughs> uh, no, today it's going to be the Singer. Excellent. Great choice. 
Well, Dad, you've taken us on a great ride. I've enjoyed hearing your stories. I've been hearing these stories for my entire life. Yeah. But it's it's been a unique experience being able to hear them all sort of in one distilled sitting. I think that's something that uh, I've I've never experienced before. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your journey. Please give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Singer Porsche. Oh, that'll be nice. That'll be so much fun. <laughs> it's going to be a good day. I'll let you drive too. How's that? Oh, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, very cool. Well, I'd like to say this. I've had a lot of great guests on Cars yeah, and so many of them have left with some wonderful advice. There's a lot of commonality to the comments and the advice they've given. But what I'd like to say is if you're passionate about something, take the time and make an effort to go figure out how to create a career around that passion. Surround yourself with people that will support you, people who are honest and ethical, who will hold you accountable to your goals, and go build your dream and start today. Don't wait. Absolutely. Well, thank you for trusting me with the, uh, the honor of conducting the interview. I have never conducted an interview in my life, so this is exciting. This is new. What is the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your business? Well, the best way for listeners to learn more about me and about Cars yeah is on the website, www.carsyeah.com. You can also find the Cars yeah shows on iTunes and Stitcher, building out a YouTube page as well. And if you go to carsyeah.com, click on the free book button. It's a red button that flies in there on the page when you land on the homepage with those cool pictures of all those cars. And you'll get my free filler up book. It's what I call a book of fuel filler fun. It's a collection of photographs I've taken, and there's a few you shot at car shows that I've attended over the years of uh, fuel filler caps. And there's some inspirational quotes sprinkled in there. It's 60 images, I believe, of fuel filler fun. So go in there and subscribe. You'll also get my weekly blog, which is kind of cool, and an email that I send out every week with a recap of all the guests. So uh, that'd be the best way for people to find us. And Blake, again, I want to thank you for taking time out of your summer studies at RISD to interview me. I'm really proud of you and your sister at the mature, caring, and, and hardworking adult you, you two have become. It's been fantastic. I want to thank Jill, my wife of 30-plus years here, for putting up with me, for, for going through this crazy <laughs> venture here in the living room of our house to, to get to these 300 shows. She's always been so supporting of everything I've done. And and helpful in many ways. And of course, my family and, and all my friends and my guests who've been a part of the show. This has been a blast and there's more to come. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've talked about here today at carsyad.com slash Mark Green, or you can go to carsyad.com and enter Mark in the search bar and your show notes page will pop right up. Thank you, Dad, for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, which I'm sure we'll be on the phone tomorrow. Uh, I'll, see you. <laughs> I'll see you down the road. Absolutely, Blake. Thanks a lot. And thank you listeners for listening to this uh, Milestone 300 the show here on Cars Yeah. There's a lot more to come. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!